Our stories shape our lives. Our stories are who we are. So listen in as others share their stories with you and let's build the boldest, biggest, brightest lives we can. I'm Amanda Solar, founder of Soulful Living and this podcast, Soulful Connections. Join me and let's connect. So I am here with Deb White, and we are going to talk about a whole bunch of things, but one of the most exciting things that's happening is that, Deb, your father is being featured in a documentary. So first of all, welcome. Thank you. And secondly, can you tell me um, who was your who is your father? What did he do? <laughs> he's still here. Yeah. He's still <laughs> doing you. stuff. He's just not doing probably what he used to do. Can you kind of talk about him? Well, uh, dad is William Decova White, Bill White, who uh, played baseball in the 50s and 60s. He started with the Giants in New York, moved with them to San Francisco, was traded to the Cardinals where he won a World Series, and then was traded to Philadelphia where he finished out his career. Uh, afterwards, he became the Yankees announcer for 18 years until he was tabbed to be the National League president. So, and he was National League president, I think, for five years. Of the, yeah. And so that's basically who he is. That's right. Um, he's, that's basically who he is. Can I ask a crazy question? Where did the middle name Jacoba come from? I it's a family name. Yeah, that's a that's just a really cool name. Yeah. So, what is the documentary? Um, what's it called? What's it about? So, uh, my father, about ten years ago, wrote a book called Uppity, and it detailed his life in baseball. When he finished that book, he wanted to uh, detail the integration of spring training. But when he took that idea to his um, publisher, they said, nobody reads anymore. <laughs> so we're not going to, um, we're not, we're, we're not going to explore that possibility. So um, I had a friend, Dave Sewell of Motion Video, who kept pestering me to uh, do something with my father, do something with my father. So when my father kept expressing that he wanted to somehow get this story out there. Um, I put him together with Dave and uh, they decided to try to get this documentary out there. It took a very long time, but finally Major League Baseball um, picked up the idea. They took it to LeBron James's um, video production company who signed on and uh, then they produced this documentary after Jackie. So the documentary is about the players who follow Jackie Robinson and the struggles they had fully integrating baseball. And is that what his book Uppity did his book? What was his book Uppity? Was that kind of his playing career? It, so much. it's about his playing career. And, yeah. and did, what did the name come from? 
<laughs> because both many black men who are um, not de deferential enough are given uh, the moniker of being uppity. And so he took that as kind of the source of pride. <laughs> Love it. Love it. That uh, he was not one of those people who deferred to somebody just because the color of their skin was different. Right. Wonderful. So this um, is, is it on PBS? It will be on the History Channel. On the History Channel. Okay. Yes. June 18th. June 18th. Awesome. Awesome. And Deb, what you are one of five. Five. I almost said three. And what kind of lessons have you learned from your father and your mother? Uh, um, what kind of lessons? And like, how, what was that impact on you? I mean, I'm just wondering. Let me back up because you grew up in Bucks County. I think, and you can agree or disagree, but where you grew up, it was predominantly a white community. <laughs> it still is. But anyway. Right? It still is. So just... What was growing up with Bill White as your father like? What was growing up in Bucks County like? Can you share that? Well, we were sheltered um, because of, uh, um, I actually write for the Herald. Um, they are kind enough to put in any sort of thing that I write on race and such. And uh, one of the things that I said was when I wrote a um, obituary for Bob Gibson was that... Um, obvious money and celebrity trump skin color a lot yeah so um there are many stories uh, like with bob gibson and lou brock and um, dick allen and etc cetera, etc cetera, where um if they weren't celebrities they would have been treated differently obviously right so we were shielded by that um because i said what are you going to do cheer for the team on Monday and then exclude them from your facility on the next day or, mm -hmm. you know, so we were very much shielded by that. Um, I would, I'm in retrospect, because now I'm old, so I <laughs> kind of look back on life um, almost everywhere, and still yet, uh, almost everywhere I go, um, it's always preceded by, this is Bill White's daughter. Mm, interesting. Right. Yeah. So um, going into into Peace Valley Elementary, woo, uh, that that's kind of what the introduction was. This is Bill White's daughter. Mm -hmm. So we got, and many of my African-American friends also tell me, yeah, you got to pass. Yeah. So. Well, how did that feel, though? I, you know, I wonder, having a father of such note, did that feel good? Did that feel like, hey, I'm Deb. I'm not just Bill White's daughter. You know, what was that like? Well, what I said to people, because they're like, oh, same thing. How was your, how was your growing up? I said, everybody's dad played baseball, <laughs> like many of my friends, like in St. Louis. So it wasn't like it was anything special because, you know, uh, Wanda Brock, um, the Gibson girls, everybody's father around played baseball till we kind of moved moved here mm -hmm. and um we actually were not a family that loved to go to baseball games um we were kind of but let me let me change that 
while we were in St. Louis, we had to go to baseball games all the time. And we had to get dressed up with the white gloves and mm. all those things because uh, the prevailing view was that, uh, you know, black people were um, not classy. And so my parents really, really, really were out to prove that that was incorrect. So by the time we got here, uh, we had been in a lot of, of baseball games and it wasn't the way we wanted to spend our day. <laughs> right, right. Well, I can certainly relate to that. Just not wanting to spend my day watching baseball. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> exactly. So it wasn't like, oh, this is great. You know, we were. Yeah. yeah. But did you feel like, you know, I don't know. As a kid, did you feel like, hey, my dad, no. people know who he No? Not until um, later. Mm -hmm. uh, probably not until 30, 40. Oh, okay. So you didn't really, it wasn't really a thing. That's so interesting. Yeah. And can I jump back and ask about your parents? Because you just created curiosity in, my, in me by telling me about, you know, the white gloves. And they were out to say, hey, this is who we are. Just so you know, when you see us. We want you to see who we are and, and not the color of our skin. Where did that pride of person come from, do you think? Do you know anything about their upbringing? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, my dad, is he calls it, he grew up um, in the ghetto of, of Warren, Ohio. Um, my mother's father was worked in the steel mills as a supervisor, I think. And so um, she was a little better off. She was better mm -hmm. off. But um, everybody in the, in the African American culture, you always know that you, if you're going to run around um, in, a, in a society that is not your own society, you better dress up. So um, we always did that. We've always done. I feel like that's an interesting phrase, not your own society. So what does that mean exactly to you, that phrase? Um, well, there are uh, uh, people don't think so, but obviously they know this. There are two different. There are many different cultures in the United States. Um, the, uh, the I call it people without color culture is a dominant culture, but there's so many subcultures, and people with color have to know how to navigate both their own culture and the dominant culture as well. And so, and there are differences. Yeah. Yeah, that's so that's so fascinating. Did your parent when do you remember being aware of race? Uh, oh, okay. So probably um, again, we were very sheltered. Uh, junior high school, line of being junior high school. <laughs> when <laughs> when uh, uh, a kid said to me, um, "I'd love to ask you to the line of dance." But my father would go crazy because, you know, because I can't take a, an African-American. Well, he didn't say that. Right. <laughs> um, right. To a black person to, uh, to the dance. Um, there's two things that, that that's interesting because I have a friend who said something very similar. That was the first only in reverse because he, he's a guy. He said same thing as when he became aware of the concept of race. And... You know how you said he didn't say African-American? Right. That's a big source of conversation right now. Do I say African-American? Do I say black? 
what's the way to do I say person of color it's it's also confusing I think yeah. <laughs> I mean it's really weird that we even have to say anything right, right exactly and as soon as you land on something we'll be sure to switch <laughs> <laughs> that's true you know it's it's so interesting just the whole topic and, and thought of race because what makes you a race right. and if you're really light-skinned does that mean that you're you know what it's so bizarre really when you start kind of stripping away the layers right right yes well we have done a lot of stripping away layers and i actually have a cousin who's quite accomplished uh he's a surgeon anesthesiologist and one more thing veterinarian and he just retired and he is i said he just figured out he's black because he just retired <laughs> And he was, he was head of the hospital, so he had the deferential head of the hospital. Interesting. And when he retired, he just became another black man. Yeah. So he is doing a treatise about the history of race in America. Um, and um, one of the things that he sort of discovered that I already knew, similar to the Catholic Church, race was construed so that uh, people had were uh, taken away from access to property. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, in that you and I were talking a different time in a book I read by Tennessee Coates, Between yes. the World and Me, yes. he said, you can't have race without racism. Mm -hmm. racism. Racism needs to come before race right. because so trite, but true, there really is only one race. It's the human race and your pigment actually doesn't define you in any way right. pigment is such a it has no impact on who you are so it's pretty bizarre where you know you and i were talking also and i said well you know deb it's bad but it's better than it was <laughs> and I laughed hysterically. that's right so what brought on that laughter what are your thoughts about that statement? there are well, first of all um we, there is always a backlash to progress. So, and it depends on the lens with which you view this. Um, one thing that I think about is you said, yes, things are better, but there are less African-Americans here in Central Bucks than there were when I grew up. <laughs> really? That's so, I didn't know that. And I, I know you've been following um, the, uh, the controversies of Central Bucks. Yeah. Uh, of the racism that is evident in Central Bucks right. uh, that they are not refusing to deal with. Yeah. So uh, for whatever reason that they're refusing to deal with. What do you think the reason is? I have no idea. Right? I know. It's very perplexing. Right? It, right. it really is so confusing to me, even when people just don't want to acknowledge exactly that racism exists i kind of wonder why now i will say that i've seen some some people stand up at board meetings because for those globally who may all my global listeners deb may not know that in central bucks um there's a huge uh two different belief systems one is you know you just teach 
history, the way we've manufactured it for you, <laughs> the way we have cherry picked it, we have fed it to you, and we want this version of history. And the thought that we might tell the actual historical events of our nation fills people with fear. Because right. I think that must be where it's rooted, right? Fear? I do not know. Um, I, the, the, the one thing that I could, I guess, think is that America wants to have a view of itself as uh, what the founding fathers proclaim that we are. And uh, they're going to do anything to make sure that that view is always present and always there. And that's scary because the founding fathers really didn't consider people of color even a whole person. Right. So that's what we're dealing with. Right. And we kind of, that's an important part of any lesson plan. And, and it's not just that, it's also different accomplishments you know, that are glossed over. Um, so, you know, even the word our founding fathers, it's this constitution was crafted by men and I'm, there were women who were around. So, you know, it's a very specific history lesson. And I guess we are a microcosm here in Central Bucks County of what is sweeping the nation to a certain extent. Right. And I guess it's that old two steps forward, right. one, exactly. step, one step um, back. I, when you watch the documentary, and I have said that um, I and the women of color with me are the first generation who actually went through school um, when it was, when segregation was not the, 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 the rule of law. I started school in 1964. Delete that one. <laughs> <laughs> she was negative 10. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the, you know, uh, um, of course, I can't think of the, the, the ruling now for some reason. Um, Brown anyway, versus the Board of Education? Right, that was like 1959 is just not that long ago exactly. right. and just because something is made illegal or legal as the case may be does not mean that all of a sudden everybody's hearts and minds are swayed right so i guess we're i guess just who said that i don't know the arc of the universe is long but it bends right. toward justice Martin I, Luther King said that, I believe. is that right and and that is probably what we have to just inch along and never, um, I guess it has to be a relentless pursuit. And, and I think that 
just like with any issue, everybody has to be in the fight. Um, everybody's not going to be in the fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> well, they might be in the fight, but they might be on the wrong side of, the wrong side of, of the what is right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah that's... But more people do have to get involved. Yes. Well, I have a question for you, Jeff, because you write for the Bucks County Herald newspaper here, and you write on the topic of race, and you are vocal about, you know, <laughs> if you have an experience, you say, hey, this is what I just experienced. Right. Where do you think you get the courage and the strength to write like you do and to speak like you do? From my parents. <laughs> from, 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 and, and you will see that in the documentary. Um, how if you cannot just let it go, you can't, you know, you can, but if you just let it go, then things will never change. Yeah. Um, and it is absolutely an uphill battle because frankly, I don't think people understand what racism is. I think you're right. So, um, so I, I, I'll explain it to you. <laughs> and that's so important. And I'll tell you, I don't think people understand what white privilege is. I right. think that people think yeah. white privilege means you don't have any problems or you've never struggled financially. What they don't understand is what, that there is a thing called white privilege that is real. Right. And, um, and they don't recognize it when they see it. No. And again, I think that's to, that, that's that American um, self-made whatever. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to admit that I have an advantage over somebody. Right. I did this all with my own hard work, my own, you know, uh, ingenuity, and mm -hmm. it's all about me. And right. uh, so in order to keep that, you really have to disregard anything that contrasts with that narrative. That's a really good point, because I think people like to mythologize themselves and their story, and it's not a great version of the story that maybe you had an edge in some way, right. you know, and maybe you had multiple edges you know so that's really interesting um with you today well what do you see changing and how do you see change coming and how do you think people can enact this is change? going to be interesting i think that the younger generation is much smarter than we are. Mm -hmm. um, and you can kind of see that at some of the board meetings you attend, that, and they're much bolder and they're much, they're much uh, more uh, willing to be outspoken than we were. I will say, because I think the generation before in the 60s was very <laughs> Right, I <laughs> do too, yeah. And we were not, we really, yeah. I guess we were on a final level playing field. So they sometimes think that our ideas are just stupid. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. And they are getting the voting age. And uh, so while I think this previous, the, the generation ahead of us still holds these very uh, prejudicial ideas, they are dying out. Yeah. And the, the new generation will come, you know, and I know there are some outliers like right. the, uh, you know, the Buffalo Massacre and the church uh, killings and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, and those khaki-wearing guys in right. wherever Charlotte was it? I know, it's Charlotte. Yeah, that exactly. were carrying the tiki torches. I, right. I thought that was so... 
bizarre and frightening and sad. Um, but I do believe you're right. I mean, I do believe the core of, of most people, um, I think that, I think it's changing and I think it's just slow going. It's slow going. And there will be, a, uh, there is a backlash. Um, so, you know, and, and I think the um, merits of progress are the backlash. So as we make more progress, those people will fight harder to make sure that that progress doesn't occur. You know what? I think that's a really true point, and that's a point that can't be underestimated. I do think sometimes when you see the biggest fight, it's because you're making an inroad. And I think sometimes I want to stand up and say, listen, change is a tsunami, and you're just standing there, dude, with your hand up in front of a big, huge wave that is just going to sweep on by you, you know? it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that I think what is very hard to watch is that you know racism is causing pain for other people. Yes. yes. And that I yes. think is really what is so tragic. And it's um it's tragic to I don't think any we should live in a world where nobody has to deal with that. And especially because we have come so far, you would think that kids would not have to even see this happening. I think there's right. something so disheartening when you see young people faced with this because, oh my gosh, how how stupid are we? Right. right. But um, I have a question for you. Do you have anything you, like what do you do in your free time? What makes a perfect day for Deb? <laughs> This isn't even about race. This is just about Deb White. Uh, well, uh, previously I've been very busy, and I'm just recently sort of slowing down. So and, what have you been busy with? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our inquiring minds want to know. Uh, um, it's interesting that you would say that uh, because we are um, writing a... Um, Soap opera. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> About my time in Buckstown. Oh, I love it. That's exciting. <laughs> that's really so, cool. Yeah, so I'm, and then I, I kind of um, worked with Dave Sewell on many different projects um, that never, ever really came to fruition. Um, we did um, something called Happy Hour in America, which was a, a, a filmed at 86, no, Bobby Simone's. Okay. Many, many years ago, mm-hmm. we were trying to kind of get that out there. And then we moved on to Drag Queen from New Hope. Love it. Which we also oh. tried to get out there and that, that really yeah. didn't go in there. And then we moved on to this. And then Dave Sewell <laughs> is a filmmaker? He, yes, he, well, he, he, he started doing corporate films. Okay. And then as the, uh, as the um, economy sort of went mm-hmm. down and they no longer you know, would pay and that's that kind things. of money in it yeah right then he looked to uh get something uh, you know uh, broadcast yeah yeah so, yeah that's cool so a perfect day you wake up uh, and what do you do <laughs> go walk p-town lake <laughs> nice very nice um, then kind of work on the the uh, soap opera for a while yeah and then um 
you know, out to dinner or wherever. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm doing. And what, um, like drives you, what gets you, what is the thing that you, cause you do all of these things and you're still such a joyful person and so much fun to be around and what drives you and kind of gets you through and keeps you going? Is it just having fun? Is it that you love connecting with other people? Is it that you're like, I'm on mission and I'm going to change the world? What, what is it? Well, I don't think it's, I think sometimes you're thrust in the role of changing the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you don't really, that's not where you really want to be. Right. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, again, my parents, have always been ones to try to create social change. And I think we were just raised like that. And um, seeing so much misinformation or uh, racist uh, comments and things motivates me to be like, you know what, you need to change your attitude. You know, Mm -hmm. there needs to be some sort of attitude adjustment. Um, And so I think that that is what's, motivating me a lot it's like stop get out of your dream world (laughs) could you so you're somebody who has a lot of connections here in the county you are a child of what like from the outside looking in i would say that you're a child of privilege to a degree right absolutely i have always said that yeah yeah so have you ever experienced racism all the time (laughs) (laughs) and can you explain what does that look like oh oh, god jeez like maybe one one story that says this is what well i guess when i went to college and i was uh with my roommate roommate who was a uh, farm girl and her parents were there Uh, i went by myself because it was in the midwest And um, the mother was appalled that her daughter, her little blonde hair, blue eyed daughter, would have to room with me. So uh, she asked me many questions, uh, but the first one was kind of, how the hell did you get here? (laughs) And she automatically assumed, because the school that I went to has had a fabulous program where they gave the opportunity to uh, children who did not have a father to get an education. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what she thought that, that, that I must have come from. And um, I kind of said no. Um, my father paid for my education. So how did that make you feel? Um, well, wait, like, were you angry or the um, when the month when this oh. mother were you angry? Were you sad? Were you shocked? Shocked. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it, it still always shocks me. Yeah. Uh, that that this that these things will will happen. Um, and really, it wasn't something that I was always a, 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 you know affronted with here in Bucks County. So does it take you by surprise even still today? I'm all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. All the time. And. You were talking about um, your friend. So, uh, yes. So um, my very best friend, we have known each other since we were nine. Recently, she has become a uh, a, uh, proponent of the recent 
uh, administration, the past administration. And so our last phone call, she wanted to ask me um, why all African-Americans, but she said black people, are murderers, rapists, and violent she criminals. She said to you, why are all black people murderers, rapists, and violent criminals? Yes. Her best friend. Yes. Who is African-American. Oh, yes. my God. Gosh. And I said, uh, you don't know any <laughs> right. African American besides right. me. And you know And that. you haven't murdered anyone that I'm aware of. Exactly. <laughs> no, right. You know, uh, so yeah, and so that was very shocking. Yeah. Uh, and then she asked me why couldn't she call me the N word? <gasps> <laughs> like, um, you know, she know. couldn't call you? Yes. Well, why can't she why can't say, it? say it? Right. Why can't she say it? Yeah, because people, that's a, that, mm -hmm. well, first of all, she takes the cake and she shouldn't be your best. I hope she's not your best she friend not, still, no. but that's very sad. Um, but the other thing is this, the N word, people say a lot, well, I can sing along because this person's exactly. saying it. So what now, I think I could answer that, but I'm going to ask you the question. So if somebody's singing some song and they're white like like I am, why can't they sing? You word? can't. Um, this is a loaded word. Yep. And I said, great. You know, the Rolling Stones has a song out that uses the C word all the time. Right. And um, I don't hear anybody singing that. Right. You know, right. because you do know that those are certain things that are insulting that you Be can't honest. say. Right, exactly. It's a dehumanizing word. Right. And um, yeah, you think that you wouldn't even have to explain it, but I still do hear people say that. Like exactly. I, they, that person said it. Sometimes I do think, oh, I wish nobody would say That's it. That's exactly you know? why I never, which is what I said to my friend. I'm like, you never hear that come out of my mouth. Right. Nor do you hear anything derogatory toward any. Um, any culture come out right. of my house. And if you learn that something is derogatory, but you never knew it was derogatory, then just change it. What exactly. is the bit? Why do people have such, you know, they say, but I always said it. Okay. And you didn't know. So you get yeah, a pass. Yeah, right. But when you do know, do better. I, it yes. seems and you're so. I can never say to Tony Coates. You can never say Johnny Coates? No, no, no. The person that you were quoting before, Tachani Coates. Oh, Tani Easy Coates. Yeah, I have never heard it. She has a I thought Johnny Coates was some sort of really bad thing. And I didn't know, but I was like, Johnny, I don't even know. I don't know about the Johnny Coates. Yeah, no, I know. His name is really hard. But anyway. Anyway, he has a fabulous podcast. Actually, it's a video of saying exactly why people... Oh yeah, he's yes. a great thinker, and he. I read two books by him. Uh, one was the Water Dancer, which was fiction, and oh my gosh, it was just a beautiful, lyrical, and powerful book that looked. It looked at slavery, but he did it in just an interesting way. And then I read this book, Between the World and Me, which was a letter to his son. Okay, and he just basically said, "Hey." This is what life has been like for me growing up an African-American man. And guess what? You're still going to have some of this. You're not going to have all of it because, again, son of a rich guy. Now he's a, ri a rich man. But you're still going to have some of it because you and I, Deb, were talking about, too, the fact is that, and as it relates to men of color, there's 
a lot of fear that, you know, people have seen movies and the news, which has these same stories playing out. And so there's a lot of fear that is unwarranted and, you know, men in general can create fear. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I right. mean, if you, if I came down from another planet and I would be like, who is this man? <laughs> like, what are they about? Because they do a lot of shooting and looting and, you know, it's a male thing, which is so a whole other podcast actually. Well, yes. And it was interesting with my, with my former friend, um, I, I quoted the fact and I'm going to have to look it up again that uh, the Caucasian culture of Western Kentucky, I think it is, has actually has the highest murder rate in the country. Right. And right. so, yes, we keep talking about Philadelphia. Right. Um, but. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. I mean, if you look at, you know, poverty and crime and addiction, you know, there, there's just so many communities that are white that are experiencing. Like, right, right, exactly, right. Exactly. So um, they've got the whole gamut, including the violence. Including the violence. Right. The violence is, is everywhere. Um, so, Deb, I'm giving you a magic wand. Oh, yes. You can make everybody do or read or watch or learn one thing <laughs> what do you do with your magic wand what do you change what do i change with um i think that i you know open people's hearts there we go um and actually actually follow christianity <laughs> oh there you go there's a thought <laughs> that would be it actually follow what christ says in the right? New Testament. <laughs> I mean, just take what Christ said about immigration, people. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's exactly. a good one. That is yeah. always perplexing to me <laughs> when I hear somebody espousing Christian values and yet, right. you know, talking in a way that is just the antithesis exactly. of what I learned Jesus Christ was all about. Right. It's really interesting. Well, Deb, back to this documentary. <laughs> we've come full circle. Yes, okay. Not that we've really, I mean, not that Jesus is in the documentary. <laughs> Unless he is. He was a man of color. I don't know. Yeah, true. But he was before Jackie, and this yes, is after true. Jackie. <laughs> so it's called After Jackie. I know I'm going to watch, and maybe we'll do this again, and maybe we'll do it after the documentary. I can't wait to watch this on the History Channel. History and Channel. when I write about this podcast, I'll put more about it. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. Giant thank you goes out to show advisor Roseanne Griffiths the talented musician Bill Aronson, who wrote, produced, performed the Soulful Connections theme song. And a thank you goes out to Brad Sanders for creating the Soulful Connections logo. Love it. That's new this year. So much gratitude to these guys and to my friends and family who continue to listen and guide me. And once again, to you for listening. I would love to hear from you please shoot me an email at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L-L-I-F-E 
at gmail.com.